Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Jews, Ten Opinions podcast. I'm Ailey Shanes. I'm Levi Diamato. We are so happy to welcome you back to another episode, our fourth episode. Um, and we, we really appreciate all those who listened to our last episode as well. I'm really excited to talk to you guys again. I just woke up from a very, very nice snap, a nice uh, Ailey Shane's annual trophy time. How long have you how long have you been um back? Oh, to South Florida? I yeah. I came back to South Florida Thursday night. So I've been here since oh, okay. Thursday, which is about I don't know, like four days. Four three, okay. four days. Yeah, so I've been chilling here. I still got schoolwork that I got to do, uh, which kind of sucks. But I'm like slowly but surely getting all that done. Um, I have just a few little projects I'm working on while I'm here. I'm applying to internships, so it's a whole thing. Um, Levi, are you still in Gainesville? Yeah, I'm. I'm going home tomorrow. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I just had a few things to take care of, so wanted to get those done. But now I'm done with all my schoolwork, and yeah. We're going to try to keep doing the weekly um, episodes, even through the, the break. We may, like, we're going to do our best, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be in Boston next week, so it might be a little bit tough. Uh, yeah, if you're, yeah. If you are in Boston and want to meet up, just just make sure that you're what not. Are you like, what are you doing in Boston? What are you doing in Boston? Me and some boys are going, and we're we're going to hit up some of the, you know, the historic spots, you know, uh, the Boston Harbor, uh, you know, <laughs> the Trail, um, you know. It's gonna it's gonna be a good time. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna hit we're gonna hit it back, you know, and uh check out some some cool little sites, you know. So really excited about that coming up. Um and yeah, you know, what's what's your winter break plans, Levi? Yeah, so first of all, I Boston obviously I, I hate all the, the sports teams from Boston, you know, but and I, I make jokes because my, my parents went to Boston University and they met. My parent my dad there. also went to Boston University. Really? Yeah. He wants to That's, be you. Well, we'll have to talk after about like um what year or whatever, because that would be like crazy. Five, I think. Like, I don't know. I'll I'll have to check. But and so they they met there. But obviously, you know, I grew up New Yorker, so I'm like, you know, I hate. Yeah, Boston. I didn't know that. That's that's freaking yeah. awesome. <laughs> but it's a cool place for history. I mean, if you yeah. love history, like I love. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved American history. Yeah. Oh, so. absolutely, especially that time period of like the american revolution and the revolutionary sure. it's like i for fun like would buy like textbooks of that stuff like just it's just because you know because i just like loved it but i'll tell my dad about your parents because i know he'll get a kick out of that and also to my friends uh who are going on the trip are um their parents are also bu alumni uh go terriers terrier hockey you know so yeah that's that's really cool that's cool okay Oh, okay. I don't know if anyone saw the viral video of the these people being questioned in in Congress. Um, yeah, it was the president. The, the... I think we got MIT. It was Penn, and it was Harvard, and Penn. The Penn's president resigned. Um, yeah, Hashem, thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, crazy and, answers. Uh, it was they were very easy questions to be completely yeah. honest. No, and it it's 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 just so uh you know, I was listening to NPR as I do, and they had on well that actually it was turned over to the to the BBC news hour and they had this rabbi on and they were kind of asking him, like, you know, like oh, this rabbi was on like Harvard's anti-Semitism board, you know, just mm-hmm. like kind of like combating anti-Semitism. And he says, you know, because these college campuses have aligned themselves with these kind of 
topics right with like racism and islamophobia and you know not like not being perpetrators of it but you know always like speaking out about it and like you know george of course yeah they kind of got themselves in selves into like a very tricky situation here that they have to now condemn anti-semitism while at the same time the people who work there and their whole student body is very anti-israel inherently anti-semitic and so they're trying to kind of make both work where they're like not being anti-semitic while also not like trying to like quote-unquote cave into like zionism or or whatever you want to call it and it's it's it, it just seems like they you could tell right they had lawyers who were making sure that like just read from the script just read from the script like don't say anything that's not from the script because if you say anything that's in like that if you say anything else then um we're gonna be in trouble here um, so it was very disappointing, very disheartening. And then like SNL made like a skit about it. And we're, I was really- It was of, hilarious, wasn't it, SNL? No, it was not hilarious at all. <laughs> uh, I, that, that's was Levi being sarcastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Way, shout out Levi. SNL, been a while since it's been funny, but that one, yeah. especially not funny, there, I would say. You no, know, there's there's times where SNL is still funny. Um, it was the, it was the uh, Adam Driver- um hosting episode and the and undercover one, boss star wars one yes that one is that was a that good episode. classic one well my um, favorite one is um have you have you watched papyrus the one with ryan Reynolds or ryan gosling no no okay i encourage everyone um listening to stop the podcast or not stop the podcast after you listen to our whole podcast watch papyrus on on youtube We'll link I, it in the comment. We'll link it in the bio, you know? Sure, yeah. We're always um, going to hook you up with that great content, you know? Back to um, the college back to the college campus thing. And maybe we can link a, a clip of a soundbite of the college um, testimony because it was like a yeah, two-minute let's, clip. Let's turn it over right now to one of the clips. McGill at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking specifically calling for the genocide of Jews. Does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer. Yes, Ms. McGill. After this this hearing, which like went viral on the internet and everything, a lot of outrage about it, rightfully so in my opinion, um, as we've yeah. talked about. But she released a video a few days later that was apology, but kind of an apology. Anyway, then after that, she just was basically like, "Okay, I'm out," and resigned. Yeah. Um, just. Rightfully so, of course. Uh, the others haven't resigned yet, so still waiting on that. As far as the University of Florida, well, I, this isn't really a campus thing, but as I was talking to you before we um, started recording, I was walking in, in the main street um, at our university, and on every street sign, lamppost, whatever you call it, put, like posters, boycott posters, and I was... Some of these, some of these boycotts, I'm going to be totally honest with you, don't really make sense um, to me. 
<laughs> I don't even know that it's, it's a list of a lot of companies that for various reasons, um, one of McDonald's gave free meals to Israeli soldiers. Mm-hmm. Disney plus gave $2 million to Israel. Pepsi owns an Israeli company. Um, and then it says a whole list of things, KFC, Hardee's, Taco Bell. Listen, I, I never saw Taco Bell once in Israel. I hope that they will bring Taco Bell to Israel. It's a great place. Um, but the I've never seen Bell at, at, at that too would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a little bit hard. Um, KFC. Yeah, you can make anything kosher now. It's just, it's just absurd. I mean, you have to stop and you have to ask yourself, is, has this, have you ever seen this action for any other conflict in the world? No. You know, and people always say it's whataboutism, um, but it really is insane. And now we can go into the UN because it just becomes clearer and clearer every single day that the UN is just extremely biased against Israel. And you can call it that for whatever reason it is, if it's just because most of the countries in the world. um, And I want to pull up something real quick. Show um, our, or just so our audience really hears something about the UN um, that really, one of the whole kind of narratives for against Israel and against this whole war is that killing Palestinians, even Israel's not even targeting civilian Palestinians, they're targeting Hamas, and it happens to be that Hamas is positioning themselves in places where uh, civilians are centrally located, which is which is a war crime. That is a war crime. One of the whole things is that killing Palestinians is just going to, to cause more radicalization against Israel, okay? But here's the thing is that already you got or you already have 76 75 76% of the Palestinian population who already supports Hamas and already um supports well, Where Hamas. are those what is what is that that data? This is according to Arab World for Research and Development. That's a wartime poll. A wartime poll. Okay. Yeah, that was a wartime poll that they that they um, put 75% of Palestinians support the terrorist massacre of October 7th. Um, let's just get that in there right now too. Radicalization. People weren't being radicalized because of what Israel was doing to them over and over and over after October 7th. This happened before. This is what happened. Uh, this has been happening uh, since Israel was becoming a state. And radicalization has, in a lot of ways, children are being radicalized through their school systems in Gaza. I mean, like we, like you've seen, like in in textbooks and and what they've been teaching um, their students about history and all that stuff. Even so, there are people. So the United Nations they set up schools in um in Gaza that you know they have like UN and schools and stuff like that. There are United Nations teachers who call for the murder of Jews, and that's revealed in a report. There's um, one who was holding. There was one who was holding hostages and yeah. in his house. Yeah, exactly. Sorry um, to jump the gun on that. If you were going to get to that mm-hmm. in a second, exactly. They they straight up call for the murder of Jews. They 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 are the ones. You at the United Nations is the one that is radicalizing, which is basically and some people even consider it like so the UNRWA. It's mm-hmm. um relief's work agency for the far east or something like that. I don't know the exact um how that works, but anyway, yeah. So basically, yeah, they so you know, they're setting up those schools and it's basically in jo- indoctrination through 
the UN RWA. And yeah, they're basically people are basically saying, yeah, it's like it's basically like an extension of Hamas at this point. And um, yeah, and they're literally like you said, you had one UN teacher who held hostages. There are others who are literally calling for the the murder of Jews. So so this is a report from United Nations Watch. United Nations Watch yeah. is a uh, NGO monitor. Yeah, it's a nonprofit uh, to hold the United Nations accountable. So yeah, they did a report and they found that. Um, let me just get again to the specifics. So they said basically, teachers and schools at the UN agency that runs education and social services. And if you hear my dogs in the background, that's my bad. That's Puck. He's <laughs> yeah. really crazy. Uh, social services for Palestinians regularly called to murder Jews and create teaching materials that glorify terrorism, encourage martyrdom demonize Israelis and incite anti-Semitism that's revealed in a, in a report by two independent research and monitoring groups. So um, that was, again, the UN Watch and Impact SE. It was presented to the U.S. Congress. It basically considered new legislation by the House and the Senate to, con U- uh, to cut funding for the UN RWA. And so, yeah, it, um, there was, it, covered, um, it covered 47 cases of incitement by UNRWA staff. It found 133 UNRWA educators and staff who were found to promote hate and violence on social media, an additional 82 um, teachers and other staff affiliated with over 30 UNRWA schools involved in drafting, supervising, approving, printing, and distributing hateful content to students. So this, it's, the UN is um, really, 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 uh, I just wanted to, I I know it was a lot, but I just wanted to show how the UN is not this independent organization who's going to be the the people that you're going to rely on for the 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 unbiased, the objective information here, right? Because their own educators are radicalizing Palestinians against Israelis here. This it's it's just ridiculous. It's a whole thing. And um, Levi, what what what's the stuff that you wanted to bring up? Yeah. So, I mean, I can get to the the condemnations in a second, but I want to stress that this is, it's not only um, what I've been really getting into actually lately is I've been researching the Rwandan genocide um, Mm -hmm. and how the United Nations uh, failed to act in in that situation. So that was 1994. um, One of the most horrific genocides we've seen um, recently. And the, the most horrific part was that it lasted just a few months um, and 1 million people were killed in a few months. And the United Nations just completely, completely dropped the ball. And you can you can um, look into this more because I don't want to go so much into it, but there were so many warning signs about, um, you know, inflammatory speech. And there were, you know, United Nations peacekeeping uh, mission, mission uh, force in Rwanda at the time, and the mission was a complete failure. They failed to prevent the genocide, and mm-hmm. then when the genocide happened, they basically fled, and they let they let it happen. And we see this happen over and over again when in Gaza, but also in Lebanon. There's a peacekeeping uh, force in Lebanon, in southern Lebanon. It's been there since the late 2000s, 2008, and basically the idea and by the way the, the UN peacekeeping force in Lebanon has a budget of 500 um million dollars a year and the idea was after the second Le- Lebanon war that Hezbollah 
the terrorist organization in southern Lebanon, would be deterred to a border um, so that there could be a buffer zone between northern Israel and Hezbollah, the terrorist organization on the southern border. Yeah. I mean, I, in southern Lebanon. And the UN peacekeeping force, at that time, Hezbollah possessed just a few thousand rockets under 10,000. Look at where we are, 2023, Hezbollah, around over 100,000 active members, over 100,000 rockets, and they're nonstop firing rockets in Israel right now. The UN peacekeeping force in Lebanon, nowhere to be found. Um, the UN is a failure in every peacekeeping operation that it tries to carry out. Going back to you know what they're condemning at the UN when they all meet and they condemn Israel 140 times since 2015 over the same period. And this is uh, from 2022. So this isn't including the new resolutions. Um, since 2015, 140 resolutions, 68 resolutions against every other country in the world. Now, you can tell me whatever you want about Israel. I mean, we can have conversations about uh, condemnations that are that Israel is deserving of. But you cannot look at me with a straight face and tell me that it deserves double the condemnations of any country in the world right now. And the other day, the, the Secretary General of the United Nations made a, a big, uh, he said that he's invoking Article 99 it's like it's a bunch of word salad. It doesn't really do anything, of course. Um, the UN doesn't do anything, but basically, like it's just like a, a ultra condemnation. And he said, "I've never issued this article in my time as the Secretary General of the UN." May I not remind the Secretary General of the UN? Um, there is a civil war in Ethiopia that just killed five hundred thousand people. There's been an ongoing war in Yemen. There are wars in Syria, ISIS. I never saw Article 99. And it's just, it's almost incredible that people still deny that the UN is just clearly biased against Israel. And, it's crazy. And not only that, but, you know, like you saw the video of the, the pro-Palestinian protester who um, climbed up that, like, the the polls i think maybe it was in new york or whatever and was like taking down the u.s flags and also the un flags and in this is like one of their other tactics too is that there is an incredible bias against israel in the united nations like we mentioned and in the mainstream media as well and basically what their tactic is is that no it's the mainstream media that has a bias against Palestinians and against Gaza and against Palestine. And it's the UN who has a, an, an innate bias against Palestinians and against the and against um Palestinians and, and their cause. It's just madness. It's just madness. And it's just that's their tactic tactic is like turning to what we're bringing proof of. And then it's like, no, it's actually it's it, you see, no, it's actually us that's getting the the short end of the stick, or or sorry, them that's getting the short end of the stick, and it's like a whole, it's it's freaking ridiculous. And and speaking of the UN, also, you know, I don't think it was till very recently, till maybe like a month and a half, two months after the October seventh massacre, that the that UN women that right, they, right. The women would actually condemn Hamas for the brutal rape of women and children during the October 7th massacre and it's just ridiculous that they waited so long I mean for every other 
case like that, they would go, you know, it would be snap of their fingers in an instant. But when it comes of to course, Israel, of course, yeah, if when so every like it's like every single rape, every single such act of sexual violence is horrible in this world, except if it's to Israelis. That's just it's sickening to me. It's so it's so and these, sickening. And these cases, these cases of um sexual violence are well documented, especially at yes. the music festival. Um many eyewitness accounts. And currently, right now, um I just need to remind everyone because we're just now a little bit two months over October seven. Um there are a number of women, young women, between the ages um of I think the youngest at 17 and, you know, late 20s, 30 um, women who are still being held captive in Gaza right now. You can yep. only imagine what is happening to them right now. And we saw if you've been following this current round of conflict, you maybe saw the video of um, there's a, a woman. A, a, she's 19, a girl, not a woman like uh, named Nama Levy. Have you have you seen that video? It's yeah. it's been You're everywhere. About the article uh that her mom wrote. Her mother, yeah, her mom just yeah. wrote an article um in the free the free press. If you wanna, we can link it um into the this. I think podcast. the free press is in our uh, Israel Hamas um war resource list. Do we have a resource list? On, yeah, I've, on I've been posting the I've been really I've been the resource list for every every video so far. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway. An image of a girl being dragged out of an SUV with bloody pants. It, it's just horrific. And there, the idea that these images do not evoke such... And now I'm going to pivot into something. Because we've been seeing a lot of outrage over the past few days about pictures of captured Palestinians in northern Gaza. There's a lot of discussion over, like that not all of them in the picture are terrorists. Regardless, this is uh, a pretty standard thing that happens when you're conducting a 100%. war, 100%. especially especially a counter-terrorism um, situation. Yeah. The, if uh, A reminder was that, you know, the, the northern part of Gaza was originally ordered to evacuate. And so when you have military-aged men that are remaining in northern Gaza, and when the military is conducting operations there, if you capture those men, you need to check them, insure them, and arrest them if they are um, Hamas members. They've and been releasing the ones who who aren't. I mean, let's let's think of what would happen if it was the other way around, right? First of all, they're not even killing these Hamas members; they're just imprisoning them, and obviously they're going to use them for interrogation. Of course, but, yeah. But think about what it would be. Let's flip the script, right? If it was the if Hamas invading Israel and they would do the same thing, they wouldn't even let anybody survive. They would kill them all. Maybe like they would have a few hostages for bargaining chips, let all of them die, no matter if they were innocent or if they were uh if they were Jewish, Arab, Muslim, whatever doesn't matter. Um and again, you know, it's a lot of, you know, what about ism, like you said, and we don't want to get too into it. But I mean, come on, like, you you know, this that's what that's what's going to happen. Well, it's just I mean, this is a war and people appear to be surprised when they see images of war. Yeah. And this is just a, a capture of people. And uh, the fact that they are stripped down to their underwear is, I mean, 
let me not remind you that Hamas is very notorious for using suicide vests. Yeah. Very notorious. They've conducted many suicide bombings um, in the past since they're from the very start of their organization. So the fact that those images are, I see it all over Twitter or X um, condemned as the, this, these are images we'll, we'll look at um, down the road. And for all the images to come out of this war, these are the ones that you fixate on is pretty shocking to me. I remember in the first episode I spoke about when I was talking about the atrocities on October 7, I said like, you know, we're not going to go in depth into them um, because, you know, you can, those are on the internet. You can read articles if you want. The the atrocity, it's ongoing. Um, and you spoke about psychological warfare. You are, you know about the, the B-Bus family, right? Mm-hmm. So there, for those who don't know, there's a family, the B-Bus family, um, mother, father, a ten, a four-year-old kid and a 10-month-year-old um, kid. And all of them held hostage in Gaza. None of them have been released. Hamas has been uh, publishing a lot of psychological torture videos um, and going off of just things that aren't con- condemned compared to things that are condemned. They released a video that no one should watch. Um, it's the father of the the two babies, um, little kids, and they're it's it's you know it's hostage videos. This is what they're doing, and I think it's important to say this because maybe a lot of people aren't aware of this. They're releasing videos of hostages, and they're forcing them to, you know, speak out against the government, say all this thing, and they tell him in this video that his family was killed they tell him this in this video and then he you know blames the israeli government on the video and it's just the most horrific thing and this is ongoing there are over 100 hostages still in gaza and i don't see any people offering it's one thing to criticize the war and offer solutions say like i think that you know israel should do this in the war but for when i when when someone says ceasefire now they I, I you know the the instant response is what should israel do and there's no there's no yeah. answer that's given um mm-hmm. these are the most horrific circumstances i've ever seen for a, a country to operate in ever i mean this is just horrific and for the interview for this episode which i guess we're segueing into right now um, we spoke to uh, Alon Cohen, um, who I know I worked at him uh, with, with him at summer camp a few years ago. He works in a search and rescue um, battalion, and we wanted to hear about the things he's been involved in. He's been um, to far. Uh, where was it that he went to? It was he in Kibbutz Berry. Berry. He went. To, yeah, he went yeah. to Berry, one of the um, kibbutzes that was uh, attacked in October seven. He's been to a lot where the, the Houthis have been firing missiles, hit a kindergarten. No one was there. So we wanted to hear from him about what's going on. Also, just in the center of Israel, he drives an ambulance for when there's missile alerts. Um, because I'm not sure people are aware that, yes, Hamas still is firing missiles. And some of them are indeed landing. Not many of them, but some of them actually are landing. And the missiles do actually kill people. They don't kill many people thanks to the, the Iron Dome, you know, the missile defense system. But the, the Iron Dome is the worst PR that Israel has ever 
gotten for itself because I genuinely don't think people are aware of the fact that over 10,000 missiles have been fired into Israel. I don't even know how you can deal with that number. 10,000 missiles. Yeah. I mean, that's just insane to me. And 10% of them fall in the Gaza Strip before making it out. Um, so I think that's it's another. like a higher percentage, no? I, 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 so usually it's 10% for these rounds of conflict. Um, it's, it's hard to, with the amount of missiles that, we, that we've been seeing, it's hard to get like an accurate number on what it is. But people have been, offer, have been saying that it's higher for this because, you know, they, now that they've exhausted their main um, missiles. But yeah. they just three uh, days ago released a new propaganda video where they said um, that we have new missiles. We're going to just turn Tel Aviv into destruction and liberate Jerusalem, whatever they said. Um, doesn't seem like an organization that's intent on a ceasefire. They may want the other side to cease firing, but I don't mm-hmm. think they have any interest in cease in ceasing their fire. So yeah. I guess I'll end there. Sorry for the little rant there. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about that? What I just said? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with this whole ceasefire thing is that they people want a humanitarian ceasefire, meaning that they want to have pretty much a permanent ceasefire so that people can bring like um there could be more humanitarian aid going through the um, the Rafa border in Egypt to right. help you know, help sustain these poor people in Ga- I mean in Gaza cuz yeah uh they're they're starving they don't you know they don't have water and they don't have a lot of electricity there and and look it is so bad and every single death that is happening is so tragic and it's horrible but here's the problem here that i think people are are really uh turning a, a blind eye to is that all the humanitarian aid that goes into gaza hamas takes it for themselves multiple videos right this multiple is well documented yeah. out. and I, I can link a few in in the in the in the bio multiple videos of people coming forward in al jazeera interviews saying they take they take the food and they take the water and they take everything to their shelters and they do not give it to the people. They do not. They keep it for themselves. They hoard it. And none of it goes to the people who need the most. So that's why a, a humanitarian ceasefire is ridiculous. Another reason why the humanitarian the why the ceasefire is ridiculous is because Hamas broke the ceasefire last time. Um 15 minutes into the ceasefire, and if they Israel still left they the broke ceasefire. it. 15 minutes into the ceasefire and then one hour before the ceasefire ended. Yeah. They just so, had to like get their little in before the ceasefire ended, you know? Exactly. 100%. And also um, a big thing about, um, yes, every death is, is tragic. Every death is tragic, but here's, here's the problem again. Like I said before, Hamas loves civilian deaths, loves them. It's their bargaining trip with the West to say, hey, look at Israel. They're they're targeting civilians. Israel is not targeting civilians. They are targeting Hamas. Again, I'll say that again and again and again. Yeah. People, yeah. Well, that's their play. Fight. That's their playbook. And yeah. I mean, it's it, the it terrorist is, playbook. It's a terrorist. And it is it is working. Their playbook is 100 percent working. Look at the college um, here. It's working. And right. Right. Um, well, the college campus is a whole different thing because that's been that started right after October 7th. True. Yeah, um, that's true. There's but it is more working pressure. in terms of even the U.S. government. Now there's a timetable being issued. Now there's more pressure on Israel, and what I right. heard is that 
Biden is planning on talking to uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to possibly end the to get rid of Hamas by, or or to at least end the well, whole um, operation to get rid of Hamas by the end of the year. Um, but but what the one thing that I want to kind of like, not not the I should clarify not the not the end of the the operation, but this this high intensity phase that we're seeing right now is they're planning on it ending towards the end of December, okay. which would be great news mm-hmm. for everyone. No, one hundred percent true. Um, but here's the thing, though, is that, yeah, like, I think people are, are looking at these large number of civilian deaths, but I think people are always just forgetting that this is a war. I mean, are you kidding me? Civilian deaths are inevitable in a war. Look at Germany, look at Tok- look at Japan, and no one, and you don't see anyone comp- um, complaining about that intensely high number of civilian deaths in those cases, because though those wars were extremely important, right? No one was... Uh, like yeah like you got yeah i mean more german more german civilians were killed by the british than british civilians killed by the germans yeah so i mean look at that like i mean all total like cities complete cities were wiped out in 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 these um war operations and so yes death is tragic war is tragic but again civilian deaths are going to happen it is inevitable and also the numbers that are coming out about the civilian deaths, they are reported from Hamas. I don't trust Hamas for a second. They have continually lied time and time again about there is yeah, yeah. There is like the the always the but there is the discussion about that. Uh, but it's just it's unclear to know. Um, you know, I don't know. I I, I hesitate with that because yes, I, I'm not um keen on believing the Hamas numbers. Yeah, but like you know, but I, I am. There are obviously thousands of civilians have been killed, yeah. but we're not. No, we well, don't know okay. the exact number. Well, but Levi, like I'm not saying that there aren't thousands of deaths. Yeah, okay. I'm not, yeah. I'm not debating that at oh, all. Yeah. But I want to know the numbers after the fact from people, from people like, um, from independent people, from from people that I would rather get the numbers from like the UN or like the Red Cross than like. Hamas, no matter even though like the UN has yeah. has the bed yeah. the, the these past couple of weeks and months. Yes, there's thousands of deaths. Let's not dispute that. But it's a war, okay? Civilian deaths are inevitable, okay? Um, and I just wanna to that was the, the last well, thing. It's just saying. there's a way to stop the the war. I mean, wars are wars are the responsibility of you know, if we analyze this just in this context of this since October 7, you know, as I think you should for this case, because there's always going to be layers and layers of history. So if we just analyze it like this, terrorist attack, invasion, ground by ground, by air, you, Hamas, started a war. The, resp- the, the responsibility, of course, is with them. Now yeah. they are losing the war. The responsibility to end the war is with them. Is with that's who? all. That's it's, it's with, with Hamas. Yeah, I mean they have the responsibility to end the war. Mm-hmm. They're not but, going to, of but, course. Okay, so here's here's the thing though: is that people always say, "Well, okay, well, the war didn't start on October seventh. It started right, okay. in nineteen forty-eight." Um, and there's something specific I want to like you know say to that is that um, they're basically saying that. It started beforehand, right? It it, it wasn't right. a war. 
I mean, and look, right? You could say, and look, you could say all you want about Israel's treatment of Palestinians. I get it. But they're basically saying, using that as a justification for terrorism. This was a complete blatant act of extreme terrorism. And no matter what the case is, there's no excuse for terrorism. Not a single, a single bit. No excuse whatsoever. And this was not just terrorism. This was a massacre. A massacre. And that that itself is is an act of, of war. Yeah, I, I would I mean, say. there was genocide. You- there was genocidal intent yeah israel n- would never do that never um in in a, in a time in like would never start anything up like that never ever um and i will say regarding regarding the sexual violence um that was committed there is such a lack of sexual violence that has been committed by the idf that you can look this up there's been a paper written at a university um saying that israel it shows that the idf is racist because of the lack of sexual violence so that's all i have to say about that they're just you're just trying to throw throw um throw things at a wall and hoping things stick and yeah um look israel's not perfect they do things that are pretty up let's let's just like put that Let's just say that right now. Of course, yeah. But Israel, this the country of Israel itself, puts people who in their in their military who commit war crimes, who who may do something that is against international law, and they persecute them. They do that all. They do that all the time in Israel. They care, and the fact that like people believe that Israel doesn't care about um, international law, and there's a very good article on CNN. Um, that I also I'm going to um, put in the bio as well. There's gonna be a lot of things in the bio, guys. A lot of a lot of resources. Um, so there is so Spencer Guard. Spencer Guard is a scholar and expert on urban warfare, um, okay. and he it has um, written about um, Russia, Russia and Ukraine, and 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 is um, an expert on that type of, of type of field. He wrote an opinion piece on CNN. Said he it's titled "I'm an expert in urban warfare. Israel is up is upholding the laws of war." And I want you guys to really look at that because this is a really important article. So yeah, it's it's just. It's, I'll read the article as well. Yeah. I haven't I haven't read that article. We've yeah over. we I think we've gotten go gotten over a wide. Okay. If you don't see my high my hands are going wide, a wide variety of topics. You ready to turn this over to the interview? Hundred percent. So I'd like to introduce Alon Cohen. Um, he goes into it more in depth in the interview about what his role is, but essentially he's search and rescue person, paramedic looking for. In the kibbutz, he was specifically looking for anything, pretty much, because everything is burned to the ground. Um, and he has some pictures that maybe I can we can share. But Alon Cohen, I met him at camp. Um, great person, and I really hope you guys learn something from this interview. Alon, just um, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from in Israel, what you do, um, and tell us a little bit about um, your background. I'm uh, Alon, and I... I'm from uh, Nestiona. It's a small city next to Tel Aviv. I've been uh, with uh, Levi two years ago. I've been in summer camp. I traveled there, and then uh, now I'm in Israel. I've been in a, in the search and rescue uh, unit uh, in Israel. I've been there in the army for three years, and now I'm doing the 
מיליטרי רסרב, אולסו דר, it's called יחצה, יחידת החילוץ הארצית, and mostly it's like everything that related to rescue in buildings, it's our job to do it. When I was in the military service, I was in a, a new unit called Sayeret Alon, like my name actually. It's like a, the special unit of search and rescue. We've been like 10 to 15 uh, people and we had our own cars. Everything that happened, if it's earthquake, uh, a parking lot that fall down, like a building that just corrupts for no reason and all the rockets, it was our job to try and uh, come and search and rescue and look for uh, survivors and everything like this. I've been in uh, the last operation in Gaza, Shomer Chomot. 2021? In 2021. Okay. We didn't enter to Gaza, but like actually our job was one of the hardest because there was... lots of rocket in one week and we had to travel every time to a different place we had to uh, get to a rocket i also been in a, a place that a rocket fell straight on a house in where was Rishon that Lezion. in Rishon Lezion, there was one woman that uh, died and uh, we were supposed to we came there we saw her her body and we continued to search and rescue for the and actually we didn't find nothing we came with dogs and everything we had dogs and uh, drones this is kind of the thing we did my job was also to talk with the community i remember i've been uh, like i need to talk with policemen with the neighbors to find out if there is more people actually after a uh, A few hours apparently there was two illegal uh, uh, residents that been in the in the basement that were stuck there for 20 few hours took them out so like this is one thing we did could you shift more into on what you've been doing in the past like two months so this is our job in the army now I became to a unit called the the Israeli search and rescue unit. So it's and, like a different unit than the one yeah. you're in, in the 2021? Yeah, it's like, okay. the unit I've been is like, for uh, the normal military service, it's uh, only 15 people. And now I get to a bigger one. It's like the, but it's still uh, the best unit from all the reserve uh, units. Uh, I woke up in uh, 6.30 in the morning, in 7th uh, of October. And I woke up from a ro- like alarms that start uh, in my house. I came to the basement and uh, because I was like in a, a minute cold, I had to go, I think like one hour after the alarm started, I came to my uh, base and we start to um, take place in like uh, in the middle of the... Israel in the center and to start be ready for rescue over there. Our job mostly was to move with the cars in the cities and like be ready for every rocket that come to Israel or to fall on people's houses. 
we come over there, we look for uh, people that uh, abandon, people that uh, get hurt, everything like this. And we're ready for something bigger. If there is a bigger rocket, if there is a big building that fall, so we start in rescue operations. If it's uh, breaking walls and lifting uh, rocks. So mostly I did it for one month. Traveling sometimes in Rishon LeZion, sometimes in Beit Shemesh next to Tel Aviv. I did it for uh, one month. Mostly came to places I've been in uh, one time in place called uh, Kfar Nasi. I think it's a small village. There was a rocket that fell next to a house. Mostly ruined. everything there like with the luck we came there straight ahead and uh, with the luck it didn't hurt the house because the house doesn't have any basement and we came to the the house we got out the people and mostly just looking around seeing there is anyone else in there and the mostly was damaged to cars and building And it was so lucky because one meter ahead and it was ruining all the house and the people in. I have lots of people in the rescue unit that did morphine. Like they've been in a, there was a hit in buildings and things like this. I didn't have a chance to be in these occasions. Two weeks ago, actually more, three weeks ago, we been, uh, we went to Elat. Elat is, mm. uh, you sound, Elat is so far from Gaza. And you like, why, why the hell we need to go to, to this place? It sounds like the quietest place supposed to be, but apparently over there, I felt like the most meaningful because, uh, right now we don't have only rocket from Gaza. We have a war in all the borders of Israel. We have a war from the North, from Hezbollah in Lebanon. We have a war in Gaza, of course, and we got rocket from the Houthis, the Houthis uh, Yemen's that right. control Iran, and they start to throw ballistic rockets on us. Every one of these rockets is like so big with tons of uh, bombs in it, and it can ruin uh, full buildings. And the problem is that all a lot is full of people from uh, the kibbutz uh, next to Gaza. So they send them to Elat, and then suddenly we get rocket from Yemen that can ruin all the hotel that they live in and can uh, ruin their life even more. So we've been there. We had one time like an airplane without a, a pilot. I don't know how you say it in English. A drone. I think. Huh? Yeah. Like a so, drone? Yeah, a kind of a drone that hit in a school. They probably aim it to this direction. It got a actually... Drone from, a drone from the Houthis came into a lot? So this is the thing. We have lots of protection that uh, was concentrated in Yemen. And what happened? That a drone, the drone came from Syria. Hmm. In, inside of uh, the skies of Jordan and got from the other di- direction that we didn't expect to from Syria to a lot. 
and it was very surprising and this is why it succeed to get into all the defense force um so it hit Did, uh, one time. or uh, kill anybody Did that in that yeah. attack so there was a lucky thing that half an hour earlier all the children went back to their homes so he didn't hit anyone he just ruined uh, some of the walls so it was very lucky and we had some rockets from Yemen that fell like every time get to us there is a alarm and until now there was nothing happened it's like we have a, the hats rocket it's kind of a, the arrow rocket in English like Iron Dome that control like for ballistic uh, rockets it can get outside of the atmosphere and this is the first time we use it until now it's working also my mother work in it so uh, I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy <laughs> it's work I always say to her you save us lots of work <laughs> <laughs> we did this and after two weeks in a lot we came back to the center and then uh, I'd been in uh, kibbutz Berry. that it's one of the kibbutzim next to Gaza. Uh, mostly our unit was there all the time, like from the second day of the war. So our unit started to go. In the beginning, it was to picking up uh, uh, dead bodies. And after a few times, it's like getting more uh, for searching. For me, I was supposed to go looking for a dead body in the second day. It was our mission of our uh, group, but uh, our commander didn't want us to do it. I was kind of disappointed, but he has a point that it's like, uh, it's very hard thing to do. In the beginning, there was so many bodies and so many horrible things to see. And uh, I have friends that did it in the other groups that uh, telling uh, terrible stories about the thing they saw, the amounts of people they saw, um, also the amounts of uh, terrorists. There is like 300, uh, 3,000 terrorists that cross from Gaza to Israel. It's amount that we never imagined. And just in Israel, we had like uh, 1,500 terrorists that we succeed to stop them. So it's like 1,500 bodies that surround everywhere in this uh, area. And it's terrible and like it's such a big amount. So it's like bad smell and everything. And like it's getting worse in every day. Um, and my unit was uh, mostly her job was to look after uh, survivors because what's happened that they don't just shoot them they shoot them or mostly they just shoot with a gun like a big gun that has a fire bomb in it so they shoot it to houses and then people in the houses had two choices or to get out from all the smoke and the heat and get shot right in the second that uh, they get out or to stay and mostly they just burn alive there was in Berry, the kibbutz i've been they collect like lots of people a few few dozen of people from the kibbutz put them 
next to I don't remember what building and just burn them and it's like images from the Holocaust it's crazy and the problem also the problem in this is now that there is 40 people that you don't know if they are kidnapped you don't know if they are um, dead you don't know nothing about them because all maybe their bodies like burn totally and you don't find nothing and this is the problem here now that one of the jobs that my unit does is to look for these 40 people that still after two months you don't know what happened to them so the 40 the 40 people you're saying is that those are people from kibbutz berry no are... it's from three places okay some of them from berry some of them from far Aza, and far, some of them from the party in uh, uh, nova the, ah, okay the nova festival the yeah France, yeah the nova so alone do you think you could just kind of you know, you're talking about some of the things that you saw, but can you describe maybe any specific details that really um, shook you? Any Anything real hyper-specific that you could, could tell us? Um, I know that you can't really tell us everything because I know some things are confidential, but is there anything that you could tell us that really, you know, that really kind of shook you if you're, if you're comfortable with that? Yeah, I can tell you for what I saw. I came two months after most of the thing, like the 7th of October, like one and a half months. So most of the, like the bodies and the dead thing were gone. My mission was kind of to look for, I don't know, pieces from the people that uh, are missing. And our job was to come to houses in Berry that got completely ruined and burned and uh, look for a uh, like in the in the dust of the house look for something mostly we had to clean up all the the rocks the rocks from the roof the stones that don't related for archaeology to clean it and try to find in it something and the thing that was very hard for me that we came to a roof and you see this is a roof of someone that uh, was like a ceramics art and teacher and all the roof was full of like uh, glasses and plates and so many things that like years of years of like work they just most of the ruin and we try to find a few that survived but you just see how much like effort and like how much humanity there is in this person that, that died in this uh, house and it was uh, very hard for me so this is like one thing also to see the the amounts of uh, houses that get ruined there you get on the roof and you see like tens of different houses that all the same burned and ruined um, you see like uh, a tank, like a tank uh, marks, like on the grass. There is a green and beautiful grass and a tank. And like you see so many holes in the walls from uh, guns and the uh, pockets from uh, the bullets. And it shock you. Like 
like what a crazy war just happened in such a peaceful place it's a big dissonance that you feel all the time you just went there like for the one they sent you there for the one day uh yeah i've been there for one day was there any has there when you were there did you make any um learn anything about the like the 40 people that were because you said 40 people unidentified did you guys learn anything about any of those people or no uh actually so we had like uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say but uh one of uh, the people in our group she had uh, the job to in the unit that looking for these people so she kind of show us and there is like uh you you hear the story of people that uh, like one of them was waking up in the morning and try to protect the the kibbutz and people saw him on the golf cart after a few hours people saw the golf cart was like burning um was uh, full of uh, fire and like they don't know what happened to him um so or they burn it in the golf cart or they uh, like took him to gaza as a injured or dead body i don't know and this is one man and there is a also yeah this is i don't remember so much uh, all the details of the rest ah there is also like a video of four people that uh, hamas took them with the hand tied on their back and then uh, after a few hours like after this happened they saw three of them like three of the bodies and one missing so you don't know what happened to him also if they took him if uh, they killed him if uh, you don't know so it's like it's kind of uh, because you don't know what happened to all the people that now are in Gaza. Hamas don't uh, tell us these people here and these people not. So it's make everything very confusing. Are those people like that you just mentioned, are they on the the list of hostages or are they just on a, a separate list, like a missing list? So there is no list of uh, hostages. Well, there's uh, like, no, but there is like around... Like there is an exact number that's ah, like used, you know. Hostages. There is lots of uh, videos that uh, Hamas uh, or the terrorist or the civilian in Gaza took of hostages, and they combine it and they fund it, and the the army succeed to get that there is two hundred and forty hostages in like uh, two weeks ago, but. It's not something that you surely know about it. Like right. there was one girl that was, they said she is uh, kidnapped in Gaza. After this, uh, it's uh, Emily. If Emily you know. Hand. Yeah. And then they told, the, they found out that she is dead. And then like uh, they told her father, they uh, did the uh, Shiva and everything. And after a few weeks, they told, ah, Apparently, she's not dead. She's still in Gaza. So it's not, not something reliable. It's mostly information that you like uh, see videos and see evidence or uh, 
now there is six people uh, from uh, that was hostages that uh, because of the information from the uh, people that uh, came back from Gaza from the hostages so you know about six person that they thought they are uh, alive and now you know they are dead so uh, it's kind mm. of uh, it's not Hamas tell us we have this and these people and we put them in picture it's like uh, some of them might be dead some of them might be alive and this is only the one that we have evidence we have one that like you don't want to say something someone is dead even that you feel probably is if you don't have a clear evidence for it um so we, there is like uh now 138 uh, hostages but still 38 from them or oh, people that miss not not from them still you have 38 uh, that missing that you don't see them not in the number of people that are dead not in the number of people uh, that they kidnapped but it's still uh, kind of uh, something that will increase the numbers of this or mm -hmm. this and it just make it even more uh, hard um alone i want to ask you know how are you um doing through all this i mean after all that you've seen all that you've experienced over there what how are you doing mentally are you um are you and other um reservists um being set up with people to talk to counselors therapists i mean what is that kind of like for you i can say that for me i had a, i don't know if it's luck but i suffer much less than a, like i think most of people there is so many people that lost friends and lives and uh, like people that uh, they care about people that been in the Nova festival, people from the kibbutz. So I think they have more uh, support in a uh, lot kind of way, uh, mentally support. We have like uh, in our unit, every evening we have a talk everyone say what he feel likes and sometimes it's very helpful because if you feel something and this is your uh, place to share what you feel i have the luck to be with people that i can talk with them all the time actually when i get out from the army to home and um, i found out that in the homes the people are much suffer because they see the news 24 seven, they feel the pain, pain 24 seven, and they feel like they need to do something and they, there is not a lot to do. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird situation of dissonance. Like you feel a different that, for example, I've been in a lot and a lot is like a beach place, super beautiful you see the mountain you see the beach you see the everything and uh, in one point like i've been like i don't know shopping or been in the beach and in second point i met like uh, because i walk with uniforms i see a woman that uh, says ah did you met uh, did you know someone she gave us a name and uh, she was very stressed like to know what happened to him because 
she's from one of the kibbutz from uh, next to Gaza, and she saw us with uniform. He was a soldier, and she was so traumatized that she was, oh, they are also with uniform. They must know him, even there is like uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, soldiers. So in one point, you feel like uh, very normal again, and in second, you have a rocket that comes, and everything changed, so it's like, uh, it's kind of a, a weird situation that uh, you learn how to live with, all these uh, changes. For me, I think uh, I didn't took any psychologic uh, treatment or something like this. Have you been on social media? Yeah, I've been in social media. How's that? And yeah, I saw, I saw lots of uh, protests and things like this, and like, it's uh, for me, it's crazy. It's like show how much fake news and so many, so much uh, hate there is in the world for no reason. How many people doesn't know the facts? I mostly doesn't uh, upload the uh, stories and thing in uh, Instagram. And since the world, they started to upload much more because uh, you feel you must. It's like the little thing that you can help with the few friends you have from out of Israel. Uh, and it's kind of sucks because you hope, you know you're right. And like, it's scary that you know, as a Jewish, that people just hate you because you're a Jewish. I have a friend that uh, supposed to start uh, next week to learn uh, medicine in uh, Italy. And uh, the, there is like a group, a group chat in Facebook of uh, all the people that supposed to learn medicine uh, from uh, in Italy and uh, something like this for question, like the most normal group ever. And it's just like the, the group chat uh, picture is like the flag of uh, Palestine. And uh, it's all like uh, talking politics and like he's scared of hell. He thinks maybe he doesn't to give up his future just because He's scared to be a student in a place like this. And it's not like it doesn't go to Egypt or something, doesn't go to Iran to study, go to Italy. It's crazy that we need to fear now to be in places in Europe, in United States. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. I don't know if you've, if you've heard, um, there's a lot going on uh, around social media and other reports that during the um, October 7th massacre, right, when the IDF was you know, fighting the terrorists and stuff like that, a lot of the, the civilians uh, in, you know, the kibbutzim um, next to Gaza, they were they were killed because of IDF fire, uh, of IDF, I guess, killing civilians. And, and that's the information going around. I mean, is that this something is, that you heard of? This is something I didn't hear, but it's nonsense it's it's outrageous to hear this because it's like we didn't uh, kill civilians in israel we didn't try to they came with a kind of a, maybe i don't know maybe there is a few a few like people that got hurt from both sides and it's only because all the soldiers from Hamas came with the Israeli military uniforms. So it was very confusing 
who is good, who is bad, most of the stories you can hear that they say, we had uh, people that came, uh, we fought it soldier, we came to them, and then they start to shoot at us because they were Hamas terrorists. Um, no soldier tried to kill any civilian in Israel. Never. It's not something that uh, people meant to. It's not. It's nonsense and it's fake news. And the amount of people that died, it's because when you have 3,000 terrorists that come into uh, non-armed children, old people, houses, and 3,000 people in a music festival, so they can shoot anyone. And it's very, very hard even for uh, the military to get in such a short time and to succeed, overcome them. Uh, this is totally fake news, and uh, this is supposed to treat this way. I didn't. I didn't know that about that. You said that some of the Hamas had um, uniforms. Yeah, most of them, especially the Nukba. Mm, yeah. It's like the special, uh, like yeah. yeah. They also had vest. Like they came prepared. They knew what they do in every step of this uh, um, operation of them, they knew what they do. So the most of them came with the, like the uniform. And I know like uh, every time, like in the kibbutz, when soldier came to rescue houses, they had to get the proof that they are really Israelis for the not entering. I know uh, someone, a story that someone saved uh, like, terrorist took her hostages and said to her don't worry i will save you from uh, from hamas like he said he's kind of a battery or like a people i'm i'm good don't worry i will save you and he tried to kidnap her to gaza um, there is lots of uh, kind of this thing they did uh, try to be uh, like like us to get more people killed and kidnapped. Oh, you know what is, um, I guess the healing process kind of like for people in Israel, and what are I guess the next steps to, you know, to heal the nation of Israel and, um, I guess to to move forward from this. I think there is no like uh, one uh, cure for this. I think we are also doesn't know so much. Um, I think that it's like sounds the hardest thing to do after this thing to move forward. Um, but I think this is what we need to do. Uh, in the end, we need to continue doing thing we like. Continue. Um, I don't know. Go to restaurant, help the people, um, and. The rule supposed to be from the from the government money help to people that need it because right now we have like one hundred sixty thousand people out of their homes in hotels in all over the countries. Uh, we I hope they will get the money and it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. It's going to be hard time financially, physically, mentally, and also to make sure people will succeed to come back to their home 
we need to make this thing one never happen again we need to give a big strike to Hamas and to finish him so people who have the will somehow have the courage to come back to the kibbutz next to Gaza and to live there and also more more important I think is to deal with Hezbollah in the north because right now you have uh, thousands of hundreds like tens of thousands of people from the north that's supposed to come back to the north when you have Hezbollah there that is much bigger than Hamas much uh, stronger with much more rocket and much more uh, more everything more... they have more everything yeah more everything <laughs> yeah and it's it's thing you need we need to strike Hamas also for the north will never we'll see what happened in Gaza and will not ha- want to attack us and probably also to attack Hezbollah in some point. Um, we need to avoid this. We need to let people in the north to feel free to come back to their home. And yeah, I, I don't know how much time all this thing will happen. I was supposed to start studying in the university like two and a half months ago, two months ago. And right now, I think maybe all this year I will not start studying like you don't know because they delayed it because most half of the people that supposed to study are now in reserve uh, military and uh, some of the lectures uh, people some of the teachers also in uh, reserve militaries like you somehow suddenly see how everybody in Israel is kind of related to the army in some point and when this war is happening like lots of the market uh, is like shut down so uh, I don't know how much time it will take but I hope after this people will be feel safe enough to go back to their homes yeah, yeah. I hope so too mm-hmm. absolutely thank you so much well well I mean before we wrap it up alone is there anything else that you want to they want to add that you want our listeners to know about the um that maybe we didn't touch on mostly just a uh, wants to people uh, to always like listen and search and know what's happening in Israel and don't take any news that you find in TikTok in uh, uh, WhatsApp and things like this as like the only truth even places uh, I don't know like BBC and sometimes can be fake news so uh, check where the information came from. Know, know this, the side of Israel because uh, Israel is the most moral uh, army in the, in the world and they just want peace. We all want peace. Um, so do this and whoever can help us spread the truth, spread the news and uh, to help us uh, be over, uh, help us in this war because all the the news and the world news uh, uh, intelligence is like not less important than the people that fight in Gaza. It's like you need to combine all. So just anyone that can help us to spread the facts, it's very blessing and with people like this that make pressure on their uh, government and the people around them 
we can get the hostages back that we miss them and uh, we can uh, end this uh, war in uh, the best way for uh, for everyone to feel safe again yeah absolutely yeah, i hope all those things happen all right alone thank you so so much for talking with us really thank appreciate you so it. much Thank you. I just want to say thank you so much to Alone. Um, I know that he's been really busy. There was like, we were trying to work out the scheduling with all of that. And I also wanted to clarify that we we did that interview a few weeks ago. That was, I think, two weeks ago that we did the interview. Just wanted to make that clear to the audience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we, re- we really hope you, you enjoy it because I think it's a very powerful interview. Um, so, yeah, we really hope you enjoy it. We're going to wrap up here. But first of all, um, it's Hanukkah time, guys. Levi, <laughs> what, what's do you have any like fun Hanukkah traditions you do with your family? I know ours is kind of mm. just like we we get like you know a present, a little present every night. Um, I got this really cool um spitting chicklets hockey jersey. Um, if you guys don't know spitting chicklets, it's a podcast from Barstool Sports. It's a hockey podcast from Barstool Sports, hosted by a few former hockey players and hockey commentators, and it's really awesome. I could I could link that in the in the bio too, um and. Uh, we're going to go to my grandmother's house tonight to like candles, my grandparents' house. Sorry. My grandfather is still alive. Uh, thank God. Um, Baruch Hashem. And it's going to be fun. Is there any like traditions that you have with your family? I'm just a big, I'm a big latke maker. I make, yeah. I crank them out at like an industrial level. Nice. Like, I make like, I'll make like a hundred. Like from scratch or you like use like a. Like, yeah, like I, I buy, like we, I go with my dad, I buy like potatoes, onions, um, wow. you know, we chop it all up, do all that, lay them on the thing. So that's all we do. I will say I, I went to, well, I, I'm not home yet, obviously. So I've just been lighting the candles with my, my friends for the first few nights. And while I was driving to my friends the other day, it was like, go, go pick up the jelly donuts, the Sufgani Oat. And we went to Publix and they had one one they had a, oh, a box wait, of yeah they have, have sufgan yot in Publix yeah, in games i mean that's what that's what i was told but there, there was a box of four like assorted ones and then there was one jelly donut and the guy was like i can just remove this one and give it to you guys and it was like four of us um so we we cut up one between four of us so we got the last one in all of Publix, maybe all of gamesville although i'm not ready to make that claim in um South Florida, we've got a lot of like kosher stores. Kosher, yeah. Their sufgan yot, man, it's like crazy. This stuff that they do here, it's insane. I love sufgan yot. But guys, I have a really special, important question. We'll end it off with this, so you guys can interact with us a little bit more, and you can either DM us, either me or Levi, at on Instagram or Twitter, or you can just uh comment on the on your thoughts on 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 the on the comment section here. What is your favorite topping on latkes? For me, I'm just I just like sour cream. I know people put applesauce and, and what do what you don't. I mean, I, I'm actually like applesauce, of course, but I've I've been kind of switching. Like, I like to use both, kind of. But yeah, I mean, no like, applesauce erasure is a little bit insane to me. Sometimes I like I like both, but like I'm not the biggest applesauce guy. Yeah. Okay, I mean, man. Yeah. So I mean, I just like like sour cream. Honestly, on it, it's that's my favorite thing to go. All right. Yeah, we've gone way over, but thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We got a lot of viewers on the last one. We hope to on this one. Leave us any comments, any criticism. Please leave criticism. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear criticism. So thank you so much and have a daily. Have a great day. And maybe I'll see you in Miami. We'll talk about that. Yeah, have a great day. All right. 
Have a great winter break and have a great Hanukkah to everyone um, as well.